Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Jamie, so good to see you. Doing awesome. Thank you, my man. I hope you're doing well and, uh, you know, all is good up here. Um, special thanks once again to Dana Barrows, Travis, Stephanie, uh, and the entire staff here for allowing us to produce and direct our show, uh, you know, at this incredible um, basketball facility uh, out here in Stoneham, Massachusetts, the Dana Barrows Basketball Club. Before we jump into Episode 7 and give you the full breakdown of Miami, I want to introduce ourselves to you so you know who you're listening to, you the listener. I am Jamie Shaw, National Recruiting Analyst at Rivals.com. I am the owner and the author of one of the largest scouting services in the country, uh, the ABC Basketball Scouting. Scott, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, Jamie, uh, you know, obviously I'm from, you know, with my accent, you probably could tell I'm from Massachusetts. I got that strong East Coast Massachusetts accent. But, you know, I've had the opportunity over the years, uh, Jamie, to, to work at every level of basketball, uh, starting in prep school as a head coach, um, you know, climbing up the ranks, um, you know, to most every level of Division One, uh, different parts of the United States and um, in most of these different uh, jobs that I've had a chance to, to work, um, you know, um, in places that, you know, I never dreamt of going. Uh, at the same time, work for a lot of wonderful, wonderful coaches, mentors who have taught me so much um, and really blessed to be where, where I am today as it relates to uh, having this kind of experience and network um, as hopefully, you know, we can, I can continue on, move on with my coaching career at some point here soon. This is episode seven. We are breaking down Miami. But what that means, there have been six previous episodes that we have gone through. So make sure that wherever you're consuming this content at, make sure you please go back and listen to the previous episodes as well. And if you enjoy what we're saying, please be sure to share it across your platforms as well. Uh, Feel free to do that. Also, subscribe to us, rate us, leave your comments below what you think about Miami, what you think of the ACC this year. But jumping into Miami, they returned their top three scores off of last year's 10 and 17 team for the 13th place finish in the ACC. Coach Jim Laranega enters his 11th year as the head coach at Miami. He's uh, 200 career wins coming in to this season. We mentioned that they returned their top three scores. Their top score, first team preseason all ACC member, Isaiah Wong. Isaiah is one of the most feared players, if not the league in the country, with his ability to score the ball and his, and his offensive capabilities. You've had the game plan against Isaiah Wong as a, as a head coach. Get your team ready for him. Tell me all about Isaiah Wong and what he brings to the table um, as the as the guard. Special talent, Jamie. Um, you know, he's a kid that can score at all three levels. Just a gifted, gifted scorer. Um, underrated in terms of his ability to shoot the ball. I think he's a very, very good three-point shooter. But, you know, um, the ability to kind of – he's got a great first step. He's got a lot of – you know, what we would call wiggle to his game. He can go by his defender. Um, he's a hard matchup because he's got good size with great length to him. Um, and again, you know, he can go from the perimeter to post down there. Uh, he puts a lot of foul pressure, um, you know, on the defense by with his ability to kind of, 
you know, put the ball to the floor. But again, you know, a three level score, gifted, um, you know, very, very good three point shooter. Um, and he's one of the better, if not the best offensive, um, you know, returning guard in the ACC in terms of his all around game. Uh, he is a tough matchup uh, for the opposition. And, you know, when you look back at Miami last year, they, they had a they were decimated with injuries. You know, they early on, they, they had some big wins. I think they won the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They beat Purdue. Um, and again, as the year went on, you know, you kind of with between COVID and injuries, they had a, you know, a tough run of it. But they've got a nice group here returning led by Isaiah Wong. Their second leading scorer coming back this year, Wong's backcourt mate, Cameron McGusty. Cameron started off at Oklahoma. He's now entering uh, his sixth year of college at uh, the University of Miami. 13.3 points for the six foot five wing, 2.8 assists as well. He looks to have the ability to be able to handle, shoot, pass the ball. How does he complement Isaiah Wong and what will he bring to the uh, team this year? Both guards, Jamie, I mean, I, you look at the you know, returning backcourts within the ACC. I mean, they both bring incredible experience. That's first and foremost. They've been in big games. They've played in virtually every venue uh, against some of the, you know, um, best players in the ACC or in college basketball, guys who are now in the NBA. Um, so they understand they're battle tested. In McGusty's case, you know, he started at Oklahoma um, and he's a kid that's a lot older uh, in terms of not only, you know, maybe his, his age, but his also his basketball experience and his, you know, his, his feel for the game. So when you talk about McGusty, you talk about kind of an old school type guard, uh, again, deceptive, can score at all three levels, can shoot the three, um, you know, a willing passer, makes people better, uh, great size to him, great length, versatility, um, you know, defensively, you know, has the ability to, you know, you can switch out there on the perimeter with him. He can guard smaller guys, bigger guys. But, you know, when you talk about Miami, you talk about Wong, you talk about McGusty, uh, and then you add in, you know, these other players we'll get to in, in terms of their backcourt, you know, that's, that's as, that's as great a combination, uh, or this might be as, 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 as experienced a group, talented uh, with experienced group of guards that uh, the collection of these guys together um, and adding these other players, uh, maybe in the ACC. Well, let's go ahead and keep on going with this with this guards that they have, their backcourt. Uh, Laranaga went and added depth to the transfer portal with their backcourt. They have super senior Charlie Moore, uh, six-year college, fourth college that he's been at, uh, previously Cal, Kansas, DePaul, now Miami. Last year he averaged 14.4 points, 4.2 assists, 1.5 steals, 5'11 point guard. They also went to Laranaga's old stomping grounds, George Mason, to bring in six foot six senior Jordan Miller, the lefty averaged 15.8 points and 6.1 rebounds, two assists per game last year. There's some size, some versatility, and a lot of experience in those two players. How do they complement and what will they, uh, how do they complement both Wong and McGusty and what will they bring to the table this year for this Miami team? Bringing great depth and experience. I mean, um, and don't forget Harlan Beverly too, right? So they've got, you know, um, again, when you talk about their backcourt, and, and, and you mentioned, you know, obviously Charlie Moore, Jordan Miller, both proven, um, you know, scorers, you know, guys who have put up huge numbers uh, at their respective schools along the way. Um, and then you add, you know, in Beverly, you know, another experienced guard, you know, uh, who's been in the ACC, who's battle tested. You're talking about five 
you know, experienced players who are all extremely talented, um, you know, who are all proven at the, again along the way. They're battle tested, and I guess the biggest thing that we're going to have to you know kind of watch here is how these guys all mesh together. And the one thing about Coach Larinager and his staff, they've done an unbelievable job at coaching, um, you know, talent. And I think sometimes, you know, lost in all of this, you know, as, you know, especially when you look at teams, sometimes the, the misconception out there is, well, you got all this talent, you should win. That not necessarily, that not, that doesn't really translate all the time. And here's why I mean, what I mean by that. It's a lot harder to coach talent, especially experienced talent with that kind of depth than it is to coach, you know, uh, kids who are coming in that may be a little bit less, um, you know, regarded in terms of ranking that kids are going to play a little bit more with a chip on their shoulder to coach talented guys like this. Coach Larinaga and his staff have shown, you know, whether it's been, you know, Lonnie Walker, Bruce Brown. I mean, he's had success at coaching very talented kids and getting them to mesh within, you know, the system for the collective benefit of the team. And I think in Miami's case, you know, you're going to see a team this year, um, you know, once they are all bought in to what Coach Larinaga uh, and his staff, you know, want them to do in terms of their role and responsibility, you could conceivably have Jamie on any given night. Any five of those guys could lead Miami in scoring uh, and assist. And you know what a luxury to have. And I think that's going to be their biggest. Um, the biggest question is making sure that each one of those guys accepts their role um, and buys into the team concept. And again, Coach Larinaga and staff have shown they can do that. There's no reason why you know we would even question that. But again, if they do that with that collection of experience and talent that they've put together and they stay healthy last year, they were decimated with injuries. Uh, Miami is another team this year. Uh, we talked about Notre Dame being a sleeper team. You can add Miami to that list. Also um, they've got some real talent in that backcourt with experience coming back. And researching and preparing for this podcast. One of the things I got kind of excited about was to listen to you go through their offensive identity and go through their X's and O's and the chalk talk with what they try to do on offense. Larinaga has done a great job of kind of morphing what he does on offense to the talent that he has surrounding um, on his team. This team has a very versatile roster. Multiple guys can shoot it. Multiple guys can score it. Multiple guys can initiate it off the bounce. Please take us through their offensive identity and show us kind of some of the, some of the key factors as to what they're going to try to do uh, on the offensive end of the floor? Well, Jamie, uh, for me, watching Coach Larinaga's team back when I was coaching at Wichita State when he was at George Mason and obviously over this long period in the ACC, um, you, you watch Coach Larinaga and his staff, and the one thing that really stands out is they actually play and they allow their players to play to their strengths. Mm -hmm. And by means of that is, you know, you're going to have multiple possessions throughout a game on offense. And what I believe to be true about, you know, uh, Miami and coach Larinaga and what he's done is he puts his guys in position to play, you know, what you would say their game, meaning, you know, they're they they want to play, you know, a certain way and he puts them in those positions. And again, when you talk about what they try to do offensively, it all starts for them on defense. They want to, you know, they want to force turnovers. 
Um, you know, I'm not sure how much, you know, again, last year they couldn't do it as much with injuries, but they love to run and jump off uh, defensively, which kind of, you know, gets the game going, moving faster. If they can create some offense through the defense, they're going to do that. And at the same time, they're going to get out and transition on missed shots and really push the ball. With that said, on the in the half court, and we'll get into this here in a second, um, you know, we talk about playing to each guy's individual strengths for the collective benefit of the team. That's what Coach Larinaga and his staff have done since I've watched them as a coach for the last several years, whether it's in the ACC or dating back to George Mason. Moving into the clips, Jamie, I'd like to try to show here Miami uh, as it relates to their, their offensive identity. In this first clip, we're going to watch how fast Miami pushes the ball down the floor in transition and how hard they're running. And as you can see, although they didn't advance the ball up the floor with a pitch ahead, you know, they're, they're really, really putting pressure on the defense by coming down the floor, you know, real fast with the ball in their hands. You'll see a stacked, almost a three guys on a side here where they have great spacing. And here was what I was trying to get to earlier as it relates to a random ball screen. You're really taught at a young age defensively to get back in transition, especially as a big guy, you know, to run to the paint. And if you do that against Miami and you don't stay what we call connected, staying connected is a huge part um, of the game plan against a team like Miami because there's so many ball screens, random ball screens set um, that it really puts you at a disadvantage if you don't stay connected. And in this possession, you'll see Florida State's big guy runs to the paint, and now they just run into a random side ball screen, which is an easy guard if the big guy was up there. The one thing that kind of, you know, makes this a little bit tricky, too, is that it's an empty side. So there's nobody below the ball handler. So therefore, those three guys, those three defenders on the weak side uh, who are probably zoned up now are really going to have to communicate, um, you know, in terms of a rotation. But it basically breaks down at the point, the point of the ball screen. There was no big guy up there. There's no real coverage now. So now the Miami ball in a hit just comes off, you know, with a straight line, get off the ball screen, roll to the rim, and they just quickly catch it and finish. And that happened pretty fast, right? And, you know, we talk to young players a lot about the biggest adjustment that make, makes, excuse me, that you have to make going from high school uh, to the higher level division one programs, the speed of the game. And there was a perfect example of that for the younger audience to see how the ball was placed at a place where the big guy just had to catch it and get it to the rim quickly. Uh, otherwise there was a seven, three defender from Florida state closing. Um, but again, random ball screen, not connected trouble for the defense in this next possession you're going to see a double drag, what we call, and it's random. So like now you have two big guys from Miami running into a random ball screen. That's called the double drag. Again, empty side. There's nobody below the ball on Miami. So there's no strong side defender there uh, in a position to tag. So what happens here now is the Virginia defense who usually, again, back way back when, they were pretty predictable in terms of how they guarded their ball screens. Um, a lot of times, if it was a big ball screen, 
they used the term X out, where the one big would take the other big's man as he showed uh, on his coverage. And in this case, you'll see it causes a little confusion. And so the first Miami defender, and those two guys could be in any order, right? In this case, the five man from Miami set the first one. He rolls. And now Wardenberg, you know, who set the second part of the double drag, he cleaned it. We call that cleaning up the double drag. He pops to a wide open shot. And you can see Wardenberg, who was hurt last year, adds another dimension because he can really shoot the three point shot. And those are what we call random ball screen actions that you have to be aware of when you're getting to ready to play uh, Miami. And in those two situations, they were both out of transition, both difficult guards uh, for the opposition. In this next clip, you're going to see kind of a, another action that Miami likes to run. And, you know, we talked about Coach Larinaga and his staff playing to the strength of his guys. The one thing that, you know, the game has kind of, um, you know, evolved into, especially when you talk about the NBA, is being able to utilize or use ball screens. Uh, in this possession here, you're going to see what would be a kind of a, a simple, you know, um, you know, dribble, you know, hit. And all we're seeing here is the trail big stepping out, you know, just catching it and reversing the ball. Uh, the opposite guard here pops out into that, you know, to that slot, opposite slot. He's receiving a pass. And the point guard who actually initiated the offensive possession by hitting the wing just kind of cuts through the elbow and pops out. And in this case here, you're going to see what you kind of call a running ball screen where the big guy from Miami is running out to set a ball screen. Miami's three other offensive players are kind of spread out. Um, you know, the, the spacing might not be great here in terms of that slot guy. However, because the Miami big guy is running into this ball screen and he feels the Virginia defender kind of getting in a position where he's cheating to his coverage, the Virginia defender, the ball screen defender, the big guy is declaring his coverage a little early. And so the Miami big guy just slips to the basket. And in this case, because Miami has two players lifted above the free throw line, one player in that, you know, that dead corner, deep corner position, they just roll the big. Now they cause the two bigs from Miami. One big is now switching. He's what you call Xing out on that big. But again, he just keeps coming, doesn't get a good angle, and Miami scores in that possession. So again, uh, another example of ball screen utilization where Miami is playing to the strengths of the individual players with great spacing, uh, well-drilled, and you can see what happens uh, if the defense breaks down, one guy breaks down in a possession. In this next clip, again, kind of similar action uh, in terms of you know, what they're doing as it relates to ball screen. And again, you have three guys on the weak side of the floor, one big guy running out here. And in this case here, you'll see uh, the Carolina defender really doesn't force them to utilize the screen, to use the screen. And because of that, there's too much space between the Miami ball handler and the defender. So he just drives the ball. And now because you have nobody, again, in that strong side corner, the weak side defenders from Carolina are kind of in a rotation here where one guy is, is kind of rotating uh, very aggressive here outside the paint. 
And now they just make a pass to a shooter that Bazulovic, you know, can really shoot the ball. His hands are ready. His hips are down. And on the catch, you know, no wasted motion. You're too late. The one thing about the ACC, Jamie, is that, you know, when you talk about the speed of the game, you talk about the personnel and the talent level, you know, being shot ready is so important because guys can cover ground, they're athletic, they're long, they're fast, and, you know, they're closing out quickly. So if you're not shot ready, you know, it's, it's, it's really going to be hard for you to even get a shot off, never mind get a clear look at the ball, a uh, basket. So in this case, you'll see Vizulovic, wide open three, all initiated through a breakdown at the point of the ball screen where he didn't force him to it. And because of that, he rejected it. And the spacing of Miami allowed that uh, play to, to, to take shape. Uh, in this next possession, what we call roll and replace. So now you have Miami in a, in a situation where they have two guys uh, in each corner. They have their five men setting a ball screen uh, towards the side of the floor. So more of a side ball screen um, that's kind of straddling the three-point line. And so in this case, their other big, which is their foreman in this case, Wardenberg, is low. Now, he's a shooter. So Miami's offensive player comes off the ball screen. Uh, you know, the, the Minnesota defender really doesn't need uh, any coverage at the point here because he's not coming off that aggressively. But the problem is here is that when he does come off, now the big guy find Miami actually occupies his defender by posting ceiling down there. And then Wardenberg just turns and dribble handoffs here. And in this case here, you can see now that was a pretty good defense by Minnesota, right? Now you're getting hit with another random ball screen with NBA spacing. And in this case now, He's probing on this, and what happens, the Miami defender is rolling straight line right to the front of the rim. He's going to occupy the tag guy. So we call that defender that's guarding the Miami offensive player. You know, he's kind of in a position where, we, you know, you play tag when you're younger. You want to get out there and impede that big guy's progress to the basket by engaging him almost like with a tag type um, disposition. What happens though here is the Miami def uh, offensive player does a nice job of filling behind. And because the tag was a little low, just a little bit, that's what the AC, that's what separates, you know, the, the, the BCS leagues or specifically the ACC, that if you are not almost perfect in that tag position, the offense is so well drilled by coach Larinaga and his staff that he just fills right behind He's shot ready. And now, again, this might look like it's contested, but it's really not. He's got a clear look at the basket, and they make you pay. Again, another example of Miami's, you know, uh, various types of ball screens that they'll set with different guys at different spots on the floor and playing to the strengths of their guys. Another example here of what we call roll. Big guy set it. Five man, he's rolling to the basket. We're replacing behind with the foreman. So we call that roll and replace. And now what happens in this possession here is the defender, I believe, for Virginia Tech is not in the right spot in, from that opposite corner. He should have been moving, you know, on the dribble here at the point of the ball screen. 
The other thing here is the Virginia Tech defender who's guarding the ball screen initially, you know, really stays long, but he doesn't stay with his hands high or his hands active, where now he's kind of giving this Miami player a choice where to be, he can pass where he wants to. The biggest thing at point of ball screen defense is to make sure whether you're the guard, you know, punching over or coming under, uh, or whether you're the big in terms of whatever coverage is, you want to make the ball handler make a pass with a little air under it. Meaning that if the pass is made, you know, with air under it, it gives time for the weak side defenders to all kind of rotate and get, get out there to the next pass. But in this case, because it's, you know, there's no real pressure on the ball with good angles. That Miami defender, offensive guy, makes this is McGusty, I believe, makes a left-handed pass right to the front of the rim. So it's broken down at the point. You're not in the in the correct position with the opposite corner guy. You should be above the charge circle there in a position where you kind of tag in that position, help side, the weak side defender there. And again, because they don't get there. They just, Miami catches it right on top of the rim, little pogo where you hit the ground and go right up with it and an easy finish for Miami. You know, Jamie, the one thing that I, you know, I think we can't say enough about Miami and coach Larenager is and his staff is they, they do an incredible job of putting their players in a position to play to their strengths. With all the talk that we've had about the guard play, the experience they have and all that, they also have some front court players coming back too. Most notably, six foot nine Anthony Walker, 9.6 points, 4.7 rebounds last year, 16 starts. He's he's a unique player in length and athleticism. Talk a little bit about the X factor Anthony Walker brings to this team. Well, Jamie, Anthony Walker is another kid that I've recruited in high school, out of high school, uh, went to Brewster Academy. Um, and he's really done a, done a nice job in terms of, you know, kind of developing and improving his overall game on both ends of the floor. Uh, again, it's another thing I don't think Miami and their coach, Larry Nager and staff get enough credit for is their development. And in Anthony Walker's case, he's a kid that's always had a tremendous motor, played exceptionally hard on both ends of the floor, a uh, versatile defender. You could play and switch ball screens with him. You could play him uh, with a big lineup. Uh, you know, he could show and you could do a lot of different things with him defensively. Very, very long, very athletic. Another guy that can block shots. Um, you know, some of the guys that we've seen, um, you know, don't maybe have Anthony's versatility uh, and his ability to change and block shots. Uh, offensively, he's developed um, his game. He's a guy that's now stepping out and making three-point shots for them. Um, but again, offensive guy that can get on the glass he can you know create um you know havoc for the opposition because he's so active on the offensive glass um but a guy that's going to bring tremendous energy for them in the front court this year with some added experience and development i think he's going to make a huge impact we've talked a lot about how um injuries have ravaged the roster last season this year this miami team returns two guys they didn't have last year because of injury, but it's almost like adding two new big players to their roster with starting experience. Rodney Miller back in 2019-20, uh, the seven footer, 7.2 points, 5.5 rebounds on 28 starts. Sam Wardenberg, whom you mentioned uh, in the offensive stuff, six foot 10, 
he had 24 starts in 2019, 20, 5.9 rebound or 5.9 points, six rebounds, 1.1 blocks per game. How, how big is it to add, no pun intended with the big, how big is it to add these 6'10 and 7-footer to this roster and lineup to complement the guard play? You touched on it, Jamie, the experience that both those guys bring, um, you know, to Miami's front court. And we talked about Walker, um, you know, really kind of completes Miami's team in, in terms of from top to bottom. They're probably the most experienced, deepest team for with their guard play as well as their front court in the ACC returning this year with all the, you know, guys who have gone to the NBA and transfer portal stuff. Um, you know, Miami is really deep, but uh, in talking about those two guys, I mean, Wardenberg has been a staple for them uh, since he's got, you know, since he got to campus. I mean, it really hurt them to have him out last year, very savvy, skilled forward. You can play him at either, you know, forward speed playing small to three. You can play him big at the uh, small, uh, big at the three, excuse me, and, and small at the five if you wanted to. But his natural position is that of a forward, a face-up foreman. He can really shoot the three-point shot, and that adds another dimension in the front court uh, that they lost last year without him. So savvy, skilled player, um, experience. Uh, he's got guy that play, and he plays with great energy. Uh, and he plays hard, you know, night in and night out. So he's going to add another dimension there in the front court. And you mentioned Miller, um, Jamie. Miller is a big, strong uh, five man who has developed offensively into a guy that you can throw the ball to in the post and he can score or get fouled against anybody. So, you know, you add those two guys with their experience and what they bring to the table, uh, as well as Walker. Um, and then you add the entire collection of, you know, their guard play, as well as some of the kids that transferred in, you know, Jordan Miller, et cetera. Um, this is a team that's poised if they stay healthy uh, to have a really good season this year um, under Coach Larinaga and his staff. We went through the offense, the multiple looks that they give you and how he kind of adapts to his personnel. Well, he's got quickness at the guards, he's got length at the forwards, and he's got big dudes at the, at the posts. I know that Jim Laranaga likes to press. He likes to play man-to-man. Um, he likes to use his athleticism and the depth when his lineups. Take us through what he is known to do on the defensive end and how he's going to be able to play on that end of the court with this team that he has this year and what he's going to try to accomplish. Defensively, Jamie, this is a type of team that he's going to have a lot of choices um, in terms of how they want to play. Uh, the one thing about Coach Laranaga and his staff, I mean, you know, defensively, again, another another kind of underrated or, you know, underappreciated theme to Miami is how hard they play defensively. Um, with this type of depth and, you know, with Coach Laranaga's past, I'm sure they're going to look to extend their defense full court. Um, you know, in the past, he's done a lot, and I can get into this and show you some clips here in a minute uh, in terms of what we would call running, jumping at the ball. They do it both ways in the full court where they'll run at the ball and everybody else will rotate up. They'll have those interceptors and goaltenders, uh, and then they'll do it in the half court where, you know, uh, either they'll designate somebody or they'll do it last man over half and they'll run at the ball um, and they'll take that shape of you know, kind of shooting the gaps with those interceptors and having a goaltender back there that could protect the rim. Um, I'd like to show that if I could, Jamie, here in terms of, you know, how they, I believe they're going to get after it this year. And even if they're not trapping, they're going to extend 94 feet with this type of depth and really try to wear down the opposition, uh, especially having this many options 
um, you know, from not only the guards, even their bigs can get out and, and defend out on the floor too, especially Wardenberg and Walker. So in this first clip, I'm going to show you what it's like when, when Coach Laranaga in Miami liked to run and jump in the full court. And you can see the ball is entered here on a dead ball, and the ball actually is, is, is given. And you're going to see as soon as the, the, the offensive player here clears the ball, meaning he gets by the line of the ball, that defender that's guarding him will try to jump, what we call run and jump the ball. And when they do that, they're trying to close the, close the trap. Um, you know, responsibilities are simple. Don't get beat sidelined by the man guarding the ball. And at the same time, the man who's running at the ball, not to try to let the, the ball handler beat him, you know, going towards the middle. And in this case here, you'll see that trap that occurs in the run and jump in the full court. And you're going to see the, the back line, which now, you know, the guys are rotating up. So you have two interceptors and a goaltender. And you can see how this could cause problems, uh, you know, for the offense. And look, at any time, even if they don't get the steal, in this case, you know, you're going to see them run and jump, get a steal in the full court, and they're going to finish. But even if they don't get it, they're going to get the game playing at a faster pace, uh, they're going to try to increase possessions. And again, anytime you have this type of talent uh, and this type of depth, you want as many possessions as you can, because usually that favors the team with more depth and talent. In the second clip, you're going to see them do it in the half court now, where now they're coming over half court and the last man over half, his man actually runs at the ball. Same type of principles, except now it puts even more pressure on the offense because they can't throw the ball into the backcourt because they've entered the front court. And those are ideal trap spots, like one step over half court, um, you know, in the, on, the, in the, on the sideline there. You use the sideline as an extra defender. Um, that defender there now can, you know, really put pressure on the ball. And now the guy running at the ball, as you can see, is running at him and you can see the back line once again takes the shape of two interceptors and a goaltender and they can create offense as you see here in this possession. In this next clip, Jamie, we've talked about Miami this year with this depth, being able to create some offense through their defense. And I think you're going to see a lot of this. I mean, with teams setting a lot of ball screens um, and with this type of versatility, uh, in their front court and depth in the back court. Here's a perfect clip that kind of illustrates what I believe to be a way Miami is going to play a lot more this year when it comes to ball screen coverages. And in this case, you'll see a double drag that's set by Notre Dame here, and you'll see Miami kind of trap the ball. And now they're in a position where you'll see the interceptor here, which is one pass away guarding Jogo. Um, and then there should be another interceptor there you know, near the top of the key, the goaltender would actually be the opposite uh, wing for Miami. He should be dropping low. But with this type of trap and this type of length and they close it, they use that sideline as the extra defender, it's hard for the ball handler to make a pass, you know, over the top of that. And so in this case, they just kind of settle in. Uh, the interceptor allows that pass to be made. Ideally, probably not what they would do normally, but again, they do it. And watch how they stay in the possession uh, with the same philosophy here. So Notre Dame, you know, now sets another kind of a random ball screen. They don't even use it. And now they trap it again. And now you have, again, the interceptor, which is, you know, he's going towards his side. And now you have that, you know, what you'd call that, you know, almost like that other interceptor shooting the gap and stealing the ball. 
And then again, creating some offense through their defense. Jamie, I believe this year's Miami team is going to play a lot more aggressive man-to-man, really trying to extend pressure. And at any time, whether it's full court traps, maybe some full court pressure, um, as well as some half court run and jump, um, um, and just showing you some ball screen trap coverages, I think Miami's going to be a team this year that's really going to give teams fits, um, you know, with their uh, depth in the backcourt and with their versatility in the frontcourt by really trying to create some offense through their defense. You've talked about the depth of this Miami team's already bringing in, the returners, the experience they have. They also bring in a top 30 recruiting class, a three-man class. They have 6'1", Bensley Joseph out of Putnam, a three-star. They have number 96 ranked, Ja'Kai Robinson out of Maryland, a six-foot-four wing. And then uh, the number 78 player out of Philadelphia, Nassim Poplar, six-foot-five. Um, I know that you've recruited these guys. You've seen a lot of these guys, uh, some more than others and all that. But take us through what this class – Kind of take us through what the expectations of this class would be coming into a veteran group and, and what type of roles that they'll need to fit into to, to, to be able to play and have success. In this year's group, uh, Jamie, they're very talented. Obviously, they're very highly regarded. They're all ranked guys. Um, you know, I've seen each one of these kids play uh, a significant amount over the last several years. Um, and all of them bring some form of dimension um, that can help Miami. The probably the best attribute that these three collective guys are going to bring this year is just added depth. I mean, Miami's team is so deep right now with experienced players that these young guys are going to get an opportunity to kind of learn, you know, by playing against those guys every day in practice. Uh, obviously, Bensley is that, you know, point guard, combo guard uh, from up in this area. I've seen him play quite a bit um, as, as well as, you know, both of the six, five guys, you know, that they've recruited are kind of those versatile, you know, wing guard forward type players that bring added versatility um, with a, with a, you know, kind of a unique skill set, you know, and I think if those three guys collectively bring anything this year, it might not be measured in terms of statistics and the box score, um, but it's going to be measured in terms of how much uh, better they get in practice, uh, how much energy they can bring off the bench, um, and, and again, you know, maybe we're surprised sometimes, you know, as you know, Jamie, you get one of these guys that comes in as a freshman and beats out uh, a, a veteran guy. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is Miami team is really deep and they've got great experience, um, as we've talked about uh, in the backcourt as well as the front court. And I think those three guys just again. They add more depth, they add more talent, they add more versatility. And, uh, you know, they're going to continue to keep getting better as the year goes. And I'm sure, again, their box score contributions or the statistics might not be, um, you know, um, mind-boggling in terms of how much or what their numbers are. Um, but I do think they're going to add uh, real value to this team, not just, you know, um, in games, but in practice. And as their careers develop, three guys who are extremely talented players. Looking through this Miami roster, they have good guards and they have experience. That is a very good combination for winning in college basketball. Coming off of last year's season, not a lot of expectations externally for this Miami program. However, the recipe with the depth, the talent, the experience is in place Scott, what are your expectations? You know, obviously knowing these players, having coached these guys, we've just gone through their entire roster, what they're trying to do and everything. 
What are your expectations for this Miami team, and how good could they actually be this season? This is a sleeping giant um, team, Jamie. I, I mean, you know, if they stay healthy, which last year obviously they didn't, um, but this is the type of team that could be dangerous as it relates to um, being a team that makes a run, not only in the regular season in the ACC, but in the NCAA tournament. They have what every college program is looking for uh, this day and age. One, they have great experience, unbelievable experience, proven experience with productivity at all five spots. Then you add that with you know um, depth with the same combination of experience and proven or proven productivity amongst even the reserves. Um, and then you take on top of that, the young talented group they brought in uh, in this recruiting class. And then you kind of put everything together and you have a tremendous, uh, you know, obviously coach and coach Lyron Ager and his staff. And again, this team right here is built to win not only in the regular season and within the ACC, this team is built to make a run, a deep run, potentially in the NCAA tournament, uh, as long as they stay healthy. So uh, if their chemistry and health, uh, both those two things are going to be key components to what I believe to be attributing to how far this team can go, but they have every uh, ingredient that you'd want, um, you know, in this day and age in college basketball, and they, you know, keep your eye on the Hurricanes uh, this year, Jamie, as they're another team. We talked about, you know, Notre Dame as a sleeper team. This is a team that's built to win at a very, very high level this year, uh, you know, not only in the regular season, but come March. And there it is. Keep your eye out for the Hurricanes this upcoming season. And that wraps up Episode 7, the breakdown of the Miami Hurricanes for the upcoming year. But before we get out of here, we give you the normal what we ask for, if you would, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast or YouTube channel, whichever one you're listening to it on. If you would comment below what you think of Miami this year, what you think of the ACC this year, um, and uh, rate us. Give us a five-star rating. That helps us um, get out to more people, get this information out to more people um, as well. Also, too, this is our seventh episode. Go back and listen to our previous six. We've gone through with six, uh, six episodes already. Um, gone just as in-depth with all of them as we have here as we, as we make this travel through the ACC. Um, thank you guys very much for tuning in. I am Jamie Shaw for my co-host, Scott Spinelli. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.